It is a fact that the human brain is not fully developed until its owner is in their mid to late 20s. And the part of that brain behind their forehead called the prefrontal cortex is one of the last parts to mature. This area is responsible for skills like planning, prioritizing, and making good decisions. Until that piece of the brain has solidified, people are impulsive, selfish, and unaware of the possible consequences of their own actions. They also cannot distinguish when they're being manipulated or lied to as well as people with fully developed brains can, which leads them to be more trusting. Essentially, their guard is always down. In the United States, the legal age of consent in 34 states is 16. Six states have it at 17 and 11 at 18. The legal age to obtain a driver's license is between 16 and 18, and legal adulthood comes at the age of 18, with a few remaining restrictions. By the time you're 21 in the United States, you can drink alcohol, rent a car, earn your pilot's license, buy a gun and carry it concealed. In some states, you can buy and consume cannabis. You can also adopt a child and go to a strip club. Just maybe not on the same day. Mind you, you can work in a strip club at 18. Any legal sex work is at your disposal when you turn 18. All of these things are available before your brain is physically capable of making completely informed choices. But it stands to reason that with all of these laws in place, anyone without a degree in psychology or a rabid interest in true crime would have no idea of the paradox of responsibility being laid out before them. But some people do understand, and they use that understanding as a tool. What can these people do with this tool? Lots of things. They can convince these young adults to sign up for a super high-interest personal loan or a credit card. They can get them involved in a multi-level marketing scheme or hook them in with clever internet hacking that results in identity theft. Or they can go a little farther. Maybe they convince them to send nude photos that they go on to sell or use as blackmail. They could catfish them and ask for money or gifts. If the young adult in question is under 21, the aggressor could say, buy them a drink or five drinks or slip something into their cup when they weren't looking. They could also offer these young people party drugs or the chance to be a model or influencer, then lead them away from their group of friends, throw them into a van, drive them to a remote destination and traffic them off to the highest bidder. All of these consequences come on the heels of one seemingly harmless moment. Trust plus opportunity equals disaster. Nowhere will you find more opportunities for disaster than on spring break. A place with beautiful warm weather, water, and copious amounts of alcohol that attracts thousands of young adults every year. Spring break destinations have disproportionately high rates of human trafficking, DUI deaths, and incidents of alcohol poisoning, rape, and illicit drug use. 
They can be very dangerous, especially if your guard is always down. In the United States, these trips are projected as a rite of passage when your passage is not yet complete. Now, close your eyes and imagine this. You're in paradise. There is crystal blue water and white sand beaches at the end of every street. Colorful umbrellas and striped cabanas dot the shoreline. Merchants in little stands will cut the top off fresh coconuts and make you a drink right where you stand. The air smells like Hawaiian tropic sunscreen, salt, local spices, tropical fruit, rum, and the occasional blasts of air conditioning you walk through when a shop that sells designer sunglasses or woven tote bags briefly flings open their doors. You have found yourself in the fortunate position of having a nice amount of disposable income, but you don't need a job. You have no family to care for, your needs have all been met, and your living situation is secure. You are on this trip of dreams with good friends in the same position who have assured you that no matter what, you will be safe. But more than that, you know this in your bones. You're an important person and you possess a sort of invincibility. Should anything mildly alarming occur anyway, well, one well-placed phone call will have you back in your home in less than 24 hours. In this position, it seems almost foolish to say no to just about anything, doesn't it? Think about it. What would you agree to if you thought you couldn't get hurt? Sit with that for a minute. The answer is probably a lot scarier than any narrative I could have written. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. swap coming at you guys for the next two weeks. Oh, air horns. Love it. And given the time of year and the welcome change in the weather we are experiencing, we decided our theme this time should be spring break. I was supposed to join you in on that. I thought maybe you would, but you didn't have to. I was psychically saying, hey, maybe say it with me. I forgot. It's okay. Forgot what the theme was. But this is a phrase that I actually automatically find a little bit sinister because I think I just know too much. Yes. <laughs> I can't be the only one though, right? No. Bad, bad things happen on spring breaks a I lot. That is, yeah, that's spring break. <laughs> bad things happen. Scary. Exactly. <laughs> Given that the average age a kid in this country gets their own smartphone is 10 Worrying about our kids or our friends' kids or just kids in general has become a national pastime. He sure has. Move over, baseball. We have terrible things to think mm -hmm. about. Right. 
And as some of you know, kid worry is also the leading cause of premature wrinkles. Oh boy, is it? Yeah, of which I have many. Mm-hmm. Not good. I have explored all possible options to get rid of said wrinkles, but the worry is here to stay. And according to my copious research, one thing and one thing alone can counteract the inevitable march of time across our foreheads. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. Okay. It is a healthy dose of validation. Ill worth dying on. Put some extra. I did. Extra. Wow, that it, came out of nowhere. It like, did. It was I knew the answer. I love oh. it. And best of all, Leslie, yeah. our friends can give us this priceless ingredient totally free of charge. What? How? But how, you must be asking yourself. Yeah. I know. Free? We love free. I love free. Mm. Well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention. Attention equals support. And support equals more and better content for you. Mm. Yay. But if you just can't wait for more We Would Be Dead in your life, and who can? Don't worry, you don't have to. You can support us over on Patreon. We we really got in there this week. Mm -hmm. There, for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, special mini-sodes, our weekly after show, Host Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay, I guess. More than okay. Yeah. You can't always be watching a video. No. We're busy. Mm-hmm. Don't watch a video in your car, please. Yeah. That's bad. But we have great faces. We do have good faces. You should check them out at some point in time. hmm You'll also get a special gift in the mail from us, giveaways, merch deals, and on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons, so come on over and be a part of the We Would Be Dead family. Nice. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. And if all of that is a little too much for you, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. That sounds like a really good option. Sounds like probably the most fun. Yeah. For for them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whatever. But, you know, you guys would probably like that best. Well, here's the thing. We do it. We, we and do. And it's a delight it every is fun. time. You should get You should get in on that, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You can leave us a comment, post about your favorite episode, let us know when you're listening, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell your neighborhood's most delinquent teen. They could probably stand to worry a little bit, and our language will not be shocking to them, as they are a delinquent. What's their name? Kevin. Oh, no. Then your friends and Kevin. Like Home Alone Kevin. (laughs) 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 Then they can all become fiends and we can all hang out together. Don't leave him alone anymore. No, don't leave him alone. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) I think that is all that I have in the way of announcements for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? Uh, Yes, actually. (gasps) You reminded me when you talked about patron gifts. Yes. I do have gifts coming out to some of our patrons. I was just a little behind, but we were waiting for some orders to come in. So they are on their way. Probably soon you will be getting stuff in the mail. The ones that still need to. That's exciting, yep. guys. You're going to get a gifty. Yeah. So cool. Oh, and um, we want to talk about the Trevor Project again? Sure. So our best fiend, our 
<laughs> our cutest little fiend. That's right. Violet. Um, last year, she made a custom design sticker for us that was to help support the Trevor Project. So this year, we are putting it out before Pride Month so that everybody can get their hands on it and show their support um, for the LGBTQ plus community. And the Trevor Project is uh, really great for its anti-bullying yes. and it's a, it's essentially just a suicide, not just, but it's a suicide hotline too for um, to support. Yeah, the Trevor Project anybody. does a ton of great stuff, but yeah. you guys can definitely look them up. We'll put, we have links up to them and we you do. can read about mm-hmm. it. They're wonderful. You should do everything you can to support them. Honestly, a $10 donation in our name to get us, not in our name, but because we have a sticker is is the, is the least we can do for them. Yes. So, so we are already, <gasps> are you ready? For I'm ready. This? I'm ready. We are already at over $300 <gasps> in donations. What? Yes. So you guys have been great. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so exciting. I know. I know. Oh, my 12-year-old is going to be so mm-hmm. proud of herself. Yes. <gasps> so let's keep it going. The stickers do not run out. I can always order more. It's okay. Yeah. Get <laughs> so, all the stickers. And they're really cute. All. Yes. Um, and if you go to our LinkedIn page, which is connected to our Instagram mm-hmm. and on Facebook, just that's what I have as our like hit our link kind of thing. Cool. It's the first button. It says Trevor Project Donation. You can hit that and then um, at least every $10 gets you a sticker and then we'll mail them out right after. Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. Thanks, guys. If you've already donated, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, And if you haven't, we look forward to your future donation. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I think that sums it up. Yeah? Yeah. All right, then. On with the show. Our story begins on April 25th, 2009. We are in Chai Lai, New York. It's spelled chili. It's pronounced, I think, Chai Lai. Mm. I want to, that's how they say it in like more local reports. But if I'm wrong, you guys, I'm sure you will tell me. Those of us who are unfamiliar with this town, it is a suburb of Rochester. I know that. There you go. So that's where it is. Unlike most of our stories, locations, Chai Lai is not a super small town. The population is around 29,000 people, so that's pretty big. But it's not a busy city either. It's just your average middle-class American town with tree-lined housing developments, strip malls, parks, a couple schools, and a community center. It's very like any town USA. Okay. Like Springfield on The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. It could be anywhere. The temperature in Chai Lai on April 25th, 2009, had skyrocketed to an unseasonably balmy 83 degrees. Mm. So it's one of those early spring days that just gets really warm really fast. And everyone gets excited when that happens. Yes. They're like, oh my God, it's summer. It's not too cold and it's not too hot. The light jacket. Yeah. (laughs) Great. So local high school students were outside everywhere that day enjoying the tail end of their spring break with the unseasonably warm weather. The students that had elected to stay in the area, that is. It is no secret that lots of high school students see spring break as an opportunity to blow off steam without the burden of adult chaperones. I don't think so. Mm -mm. Not my students. 
<laughs> Many of them go on trips to beach towns where there is lenient alcohol restrictions and they party as hard as they can in the few days of time that they're allowed to be away. I assume these trips cause a lot of wrinkle-inducing worry, the kind I was talking about earlier. But Don Drexel was calm. Don's 17-year-old daughter, Brittany, had tried to get away with such a trip. She wanted to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which, if you live in Chi Lai, is the closest beach town with good weather in April. Okay. Really the closest to us, too. That would be warm in April, so I get it. And, um, and Don said, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, even though it caused considerable friction with her daughter. So they fought a lot about it. But Dawn and her ex-husband, Chad, both dug in their heels and said, absolutely not. Myrtle Beach was a 13-hour drive away, first mm -hmm. of all. And Brittany wanted to go with a group of older kids that she barely knew. Not good. No. Was there an adult going? No, of course not. Mm -mm. Not on spring break. No, never. I'm going. I'll be the one. I don't care. <laughs> you want to go on some trip with a bunch of kids? I'm going too. I'm not staying in your room, but like, I'm there. Mm-hmm. So Don and Chad knew, though, that this spelled trouble right away. They were like, mm, you're going to do bad stuff. <laughs> and Brittany had already started to get herself into enough trouble as it was. Oh, Brittany. Yeah, I know. Brittany was a beautiful girl. She was petite um, and athletic. She was like a star, uh, star on the soccer team. She had highlighted hair and ocean blue eyes. The eyes were actually a product of contact lenses. Brittany had been born with persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous in her right eye, which required several surgeries and rendered that eye blind. Oh. So to distract from that eye's tendency to wander around, she wore bright blue contacts where her eyes were naturally green, which to me would just be like a bullseye. Like you can see it better now because they're brighter. Mm-hmm. It says everywhere to hide the fact that her eye wandered. I feel like it was maybe a consolation prize. Like, guys, I have a lazy eye. Can you just like let me also have bright blue eyes? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how that would distract. Maybe it did, though. I, I don't know. Or it distracted in a good way. Like yeah. Like you said. Ooh, yeah. they're beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I just love how that one does its own thing. <laughs> Sparkling away over yeah. in the corner over there. <laughs> Friends referred to Brittany as kind, fun-loving, and strong-willed. They all say that she knew what she wanted and she was going to get it no matter what. Okay. She was very like, I tell it like it is person. All right. Yeah. Her striking appearance coupled with her firecracker personality had drawn the attention of an older crowd in the past year. So what happens when you're hot in high school, man? I would never know. Me neither. Probably for the best, honestly. Yeah. Maybe. Because <laughs> I know. <laughs> high school me inside is still like, but what if you were super I know. hot? <laughs> like, no matter how much I know now, I'm still like, but I'd still like to be hot in high school. <laughs> yeah, it probably was pretty nice. So Brittany started going to parties with these older kids and there was drinking, of course. Mm. She wasn't like being a maniac or doing anything criminal. I mean, aside from the underage drinking, but you know what I mean. But she was a pretty teen who was getting a lot of attention. And this is kind of a normal course of events. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that's like, eh, it stinks that she's with older kids and doing stuff, but I'm not like, whoa, what a big weird thing, you know, right. it's pretty normal. And so she obviously, so she's in high school. Yes. So these older kids would be out of high school. I think they were just older than her in high school. And a few of them were out of high school. Yes. Okay. Is she, she's a junior. She's a junior. Okay. So these would so be like seniors, seniors and, beyond. and maybe freshmen. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, this isn't like responsible behavior, but it certainly isn't strange. 
As a result of these new priorities, Brittany, who was once a stellar student, had stopped concentrating on her schoolwork and her grades began to suffer. Mm. That's what's going to happen when you're out partying and drinking. But Dawn and Chad were on to her. They knew that Brittany wasn't being responsible and they really were watching her like a hawk. Yeah, and with parent names like Dawn and Chad, like they were cool in high school too. Yeah, probably. That's a fair <laughs> assessment. Like, we know what's going on. We know on. what you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> But teens are going to teen. Rebellion is part of the process for a lot of them. Not for me, but I've, I've been told it is. Um, and the Drexels were not about to let their oldest daughter throw her life away for a good time. Brittany had tried everything to get her parents to let her go on this trip. Like, she was really relentless about yeah. it. She even tried to play them one at a time. You see, Don and Chad had gotten divorced about a year before this, and they lived in separate houses. This made it easy to ask one parent for something without the other one knowing mm. and then being like, well, dad said I can. That's the worst. It is really the worst. The divorce had not been easy on Brittany. Chad, though not her biological father, had come into her life when she was just a baby and the two became close immediately. Dawn and Chad married when Brittany was three and Chad legally adopted Brittany immediately at that time. Mm. So while her biological father was never really in the picture, Chad had always been her father. He had always been like, this is my daughter. There was never a separation. Did she, she knew her bio dad? No, I believe he like comes into the picture briefly later on in her life. Okay. But like, he's not really a presence. Yeah, I was going to say if Chad could adopt her. He, he left really when been. she was, I think before she was born. Yeah. Her mom was very young when she had her. That's what I was going to say. Then, So he probably didn't even have any custody rights to no, begin with. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. So Chad was able to adopt her immediately. Okay. And Chad and Don went on to have two children together as well. Brittany's sister, who was six years younger than Brittany. And then six years after her sister came along, they had another child, her brother. So there's like even six year gaps. Okay. Which is pretty interesting, which makes her brother 12 years younger than her. Mm -hmm. Now I could tell you their names, but honestly, like we don't we really don't need to do that. Brittany's brother has told numerous sources that he feels like the media attention his family received when he was just a small child had a very damaging effect on him. Oh, okay. Yeah. He has no role to play here and neither does her sister. So we don't really need to know their real names. But in case we need to refer to them, I will call them Michael and Mary. Okay. There you go. The divorce may have put their parents in separate houses, but the children did keep their relationships with both parents fully intact. They stayed with Dawn during the week and Chad on weekends. Chad, who had actually always been the stricter parent, felt that this new situation allowed Brittany to get away with more, definitely more than she had when they were all living under one roof. Chad, Chad's very vigilant. He was very much the enforcer of like, I have to know your friends. I have to know where you are. He even at one point was like, can you print me out pictures of your friends so that when you talk about like, I'm with this one or that one and I haven't met them, I know like who they are and what they look like. That's a good idea. Isn't that smart? I was like, ooh, yeah. I'm going to have my kids do that. I know. Because you don't always know all the kids they mm -hmm. go to school with. Yeah. So then he was just like, I need to be able to see them and go, okay, that's that friend, that's mm -hmm. this friend. So he, he was on it. So when this Myrtle Beach trip came into question and she asked Dawn and Dawn said no um, because she felt like, you know, there's no chaperones. And Dawn actually said, I think if you go on this trip, something bad is going to happen. Ugh. She said she didn't know why she felt that way. She just did. I mean, I know why she felt that way to begin with yeah. anyway. Yeah. It's like her 17-year-old 
yeah. daughter going on spring break, which is really a college thing. Yeah, it is. It really is. I don't like, know why high school kids think they can do that. No, go to Disney. Or like, just, enjoy a family vacation on yeah, spring break. <laughs> ride your bike around or something. Yeah. Stop it. But not to be deterred, Brittany simply went and asked Chad, thinking wrongly that maybe he would say yes, the stricter of the two. Right. Cool. Okay. Um, he, he did not say yes, of course. He told her that there were no adults going on this trip. He didn't know the kids taking her. And furthermore, it would cost money that he surely wasn't going to give her, given the state of her current report card. Right. He was like, this is, you, you want to stay in like a resort. You have to eat. You want to do things. And I'm supposed to just turn you over this money, even though you're failing classes. No. Good job, Chad. Exactly. Chad, dad, way to go. So furious that there was nothing she could do to make this trip happen, Brittany told her parents that she was just going to stay at her friend's house, like someone that was actually her friend, locally for a few days because she wanted to like, I just need to cool off. I'm too mad at you to stay here. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to enjoy what was left of her spring break. At this point, it was already Wednesday of that week of break. Um, and she hadn't done anything fun yet. So like, go sleep over at my friend's house, I guess. Meh. This, her parents thought, was a fine compromise. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. That's what you should do. Have a sleepover. Yeah, get out of our Great. house. <laughs> You're already <laughs> mad. Bye. So on the balmy day in question, Brittany had spoken to both of her parents and her sister, like in the daytime hours. She told them she was at the beach with her friends. Now, local kids um, in Chai Lai referred to the shore of Lake Ontario as the beach. Okay. So it's kind of a beach, but it is like, buggy and the water is unswimmable. There's like an old pier that's kind of dangerous. But that doesn't matter with kids. They're going to go anywhere oh, yeah. outside and remote like that. Mm -hmm. um, so they would they would genuinely all gather there when the weather got nice. Uh, Dawn and Mary, the sister, remember, had called Brittany at some point in the afternoon when they were out shopping for new soccer cleats. Um, they were going to get a pair for her. So they needed to check on her size. The conversation they had was pleasant. She was done being mad. And just before they hung up, Mary jumped back on the phone. She was like, oh, I got to talk to her one more time because she forgot to tell her sister she loved her. Oh, I know. And wanted to be sure she got it in before they hung up. So cute. I love little kids. You know, she's very grateful of that now. The Drexels then just carried on with the rest of their Saturday, much like any other family would. It was sunny outside. They probably got some sun. They got mundane tasks accomplished. They had dinner and they went to bed. They did not give a second thought to the ordinariness of their day. That is until Dawn's phone rang at midnight. Never good. Mm -mm. You're calling me? Something's awful. It was Brittany's boyfriend, John. So she had a boyfriend off and on at the time and they were on at this point. And I think she had told her parents when she asked originally to go to Myrtle Beach that he was going he never intended on going on the trip, but I think she said he was. So anyway, it's Brittany's boyfriend, John, and he says that he has something to tell Dawn and she's not going to like it. He told her that Brittany had never been at her friend's house and the beach she was referring to was Myrtle Beach. Mm. She had gone after all in secret. Now, he didn't go on this trip, but he had talked to her every day and texted her almost constantly because they're high school boyfriend and girlfriend, of right. course. That is until 9 o'clock that night when she stopped responding to calls and texts altogether. And by 11.57, her phone was dead and she was completely unreachable. No one could find her. No one could contact her. 
and John was very worried. Hmm. Also, it is ballsy to call a parent. That takes I, mm-hmm. that takes courage because he knew she lied to her parents. Mm-hmm. And he, I think the last time he spoke to her was like, like I said, like nine o'clock. And by midnight, he was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm calling your parents. It's right. a pretty responsible kid, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Most kids would be really afraid to call parents at midnight like that. Yeah. So I had to give him credit where credit is due. But that also speaks volumes to me on just how he even feels about the situation of yeah. her going down there with yeah. those particular yeah. friends at this point. Like, if he, I mean, I don't know if his, if he even wanted to go or yeah. if he didn't want to go and it had to do with, like, maybe yeah, not, not even liking these kids. It's not clear. I don't know how well he knew these kids. Because they weren't like her friends. They were fr- they were people that she partied with. That, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. So just the fact that it's just like, no, why would I go with these people? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he he did have contacts for them. And he did say, like, where is she? And they yes. were like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because as it turned out, like, she had been going off on her own a lot. She wasn't mm-hmm. spending all her time with these kids. Okay, yeah. So after this phone call ended, Dawn, of course, immediately called the damn cops. But the damn cops in this case are the local Rochester police. Because if you call 911, you get your local police, Mm -hmm. right? There wasn't a whole lot they can do other than pass information along to the Myrtle Beach police. Right. So once she got off the phone with the cops, Dawn calls her friend, who was a Marine stationed at Camp Lejeune, which is just a couple hours from Myrtle Beach. I think it was like two hours and 15 minutes, something like that. And he drove to Myrtle Beach immediately and went straight to the local police. He was able to file a missing persons report for Brittany, and the police issued a be on the lookout, like a BOLO report, immediately. Mm, Okay. It turns out that a beach town infested with teenagers on spring break no longer takes missing girls lightly. Never once was Brittany referred to as a runaway. No one ever said, ah, she probably just went off to do something, it's fine. Nobody was anything but extremely urgent when it came to locating her. And I hate to say this, but I was just shocked when I read that. I'm like, you mean the cops didn't dismiss it at all? Right. They started looking for her right away. Mm-hmm. That never happened. Never happens. I mean, I know this is totally missing white girl syndrome, but we've covered white girls that it certainly didn't happen to right away. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised. Anyway, the next day, So they put out the bolo and so people are just kind of like on the lookout for her. Okay. Then the next day, the police, when it's like light out because you need daylight to really search, they begin an all-out exhaustive search of the area. And as information trickled in, they pulled out all the stops. Between Brittany's friend and her boyfriend, they were able to find out where she had been staying, which was the Bar Harbor Resort. It's like a nice hotel. Yeah, sounds nice. Hotel type thing. I mean, it's not like super fancy, but it's nice. There were a lot of kids from Rochester and Myrtle Beach that weekend, as it turned out. And it seemed that Brittany really only wanted to catch a ride with the kids she was there with. And she was seeing other people, too. She went to a few meals with the kids she went with. They went to the beach once or twice. And she went out to the club one night. But other than that, she was on her own, like, all the time. Hmm. And most often, she walked down the crowded main boulevard or visited with her other friends that were there on break. There's a lot of, like, security camera footage that she just was, like, walking around on the boulevard and stuff. The night in question, Brittany had gone to visit an older friend of hers. I believe he's 20 at this point. It's a guy named Peter who was a club promoter. And he, they had exchanged 
messages and she said, I think they might have been emails actually, but it really doesn't matter. And he was hanging out, uh, hanging out at the Blue Water Resort, which was 25 blocks from where she had been staying. 25 blocks is like a walk. Yes. It's not like impossible. And these are not huge blocks. They're like city blocks, but it's, it's still going to take you some time. Okay. But so that's two, I would say if it's city blocks, that's like two and a half miles then. Maybe. Because if each block is a 10th. Maybe. I don't, I don't have the exact distance. I could probably find it. Which is about a little, that probably took her 45 minutes to walk. Yeah, I'm feeling like it I'm feeling like it took a little while, honestly. Mm-hmm. And she was there with him for a little for a very brief amount of time and then she left. Okay. That's what we have to start with. She's just hopping around. She is. And she took like long walks every day. Okay. Now the walk from her resort to this resort is down the main boulevard. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you've ever been to any shore towns, mm-hmm. the main boulevard is like lit up. It's yes. like all motels, arcades restaurants, stuff. It's just stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's like a grandstand and there's people everywhere, foot traffic, car traffic. It is busy and lit and visible. Right. And so walking by yourself isn't like weird. At, like early in the evening. Yeah. It's, it wasn't late at night. So no, this would not be like a weird and dangerous thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was like you're going down a busy street mm-hmm. when it's light out to begin with. So yeah. Okay, the cops find out this little bit of information. They're like, okay, we need to pull her phone records and get security camera footage and start canvassing the area and talk to anybody who was working last night. So they do that. So what they find out is that that evening, Brittany had been texting with a girl named Jennifer that she was sharing a hotel room with. Apparently, Brittany had borrowed um, Jennifer's clothing, like one of her outfits. It was black shorts and a, a teal like tank top, like a silky tank top. And she did not ask for permission to borrow those clothes. And Jennifer was less than pleased when she noticed it was gone. Mm. And this is what Brittany had put on to go see Peter. Okay. So when Jennifer notices her clothing is missing, she texts Brittany and asks her to bring it back to her because she wanted to wear that outfit that night. This is such like a teenage girl thing. It really is, yeah. Although I never would have been like, walk back. I probably would have been like, okay, it's I'd fine. Same, I've been like, oh man. I'll just wear like my bathing suit, I guess. <laughs> I would have been like, I think I would have said something, but then I would have been like really bitchy and then backtracked and just been like, it's okay. Just like tell me next time. Yep. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. No, this girl like hung in there, but still they were her clothes. Yeah. So, And she was also simultaneously, Brittany at this point was simultaneously texting her boyfriend, John, because she's annoyed at her situation. Because of course she is. Yeah, yeah. Right. So here are the texts that they found on her phone. These are all the texts right before communication went dark on her phone. So at 8.15, Jennifer texted her, where are my black shorts? At 8.16, Brittany said, shit, I wore them. Did you want to wear them? (laughs) What? I didn't know. At 8.17, Jennifer said, yep, take them off. Yep. So take them off and gimme. Brittany said, at 8.18, okay, I will when I get back. Sorry, I went for a walk, but what's going on tonight? So at this point, she's just out walking around on the boulevard. No response. Brittany texts back a couple seconds later. What's going on tonight? Jennifer texts back a couple seconds later. I don't know. I don't know yet. At 8.20, Brittany texts, okay, well, let me know and I'll meet you back there or whatever. At 8.21, Jennifer says, we're going to Hotel Key? That's a stupid text that made no sense. Oh no, we're going to Hotel K. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah, okay. we're going to the hotel, okay? Okay. <laughs> that was my typo. At 8.33, Brittany is seen entering the Blue Water Resort where her friend Peter is staying. She was supposed to meet up with Peter, obviously, and she's got on the black shorts and the tank top. She has not. There are some reports that say she returns the shorts first, then goes back, and then the rest of this conversation happens. I don't know how the timeline would line up with that. And also the footage of her shows her with the black shorts on. Yeah. So I don't know how much water you can kind of put into that. Yeah, it sounds anyway. like she was already on the way there. Yeah. So she probably was like, let me just go here and then I'll walk back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at 8.40, Jennifer texts her again. What shirt are you wearing? Because the white one is here. Brittany's text back. The one you were going to let me wear. Blue and teal. <laughs> Jennifer, what is that? 8.43, Brittany, it's dressy. I'll be there soon. I'm going to walk all the way back. At 8.48, the Blue Water Resort security camera catches Brittany leaving to walk back. So she is seen walking out of the Blue Water Resort. At 8.51, Brittany texts her boyfriend, John, I'm going to fucking bug. You have no idea. <laughs> At 8.54, John texts back, why now, baby? <laughs> At 8.55, Brittany texts, tell you later when you call me. I'm so heated. <laughs> At 8.57, John texts, are you going out with them tonight? Please don't let your last night be ruined, baby, seriously, for me. Please just try to enjoy yourself. You deserve it more than anyone I know. Have fun for me. For me. You deserve it. You've been working so hard at partying. Yeah. <laughs> don't let your grades tank for no reason. Exactly. Go have fun. At 8.58, Brittany says, I'm staying in, packing, and going to sleep. But the street camera that originally caught her leaving her resort to walk to the Blue Water never sees her again. Oof. So she's last seen leaving the place with her friend Peter and then never hits again. Okay. All right. At 1026, John texts her, please call me, please. At 1039, Jennifer texts her, where are you? At 1157, her phone disconnects. Ooh. Yeah. Which means it was like destroyed, basically. Mm. So actually, like I said before, there is one record of her doing that walk twice, but you guys can decide what you think. I think it was just once, considering the security cameras have her wearing the black and blue outfit. Mm -hmm. But that must have been one banging outfit, man. If her friend was like, get back here. I know. <laughs> I need to wear it. <laughs> so cops confirm with phone records that Brittany was typically on her phone all of the time. So it's just like call, 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 text, text, text all of the time. And the fact that like her, she just went dark communication wise was really weird and unusual for mm -hmm. her. The phone pings that they got followed the path that she, you know, had said she was taken, taking via text. So it went to on a walk to her resort, then to the Blue Water. All of those things checked out. She did go to those places. But then after her last text, something changed. The pings accelerated rapidly, which means the phone had gotten into a car. Right. It quickly moved to Georgetown, to a pole yard near a town called McClellanville, which was like 35 miles away from Myrtle Beach. Oh, wow. And then all communications stopped. Hmm. Cops immediately thought that when she stopped texting, she had probably been taken somewhere against her will. Mm -hmm. They went right to that. Again, like, where are these cops every other time? Right. Every other, like, incident like this we have ever covered, the cops have been like, she didn't want to tell anybody she was in a car. Mm-hmm. 
No, these cops were like, somebody took her. Right. Good. And it's funny because the cops are immediately on alert. But then when, I forget what no, local news outlet said this. They were like, some people were saying, oh, we're afraid she was trafficked. And some local news outlet was like, nobody's trafficked here. That's definitely not what happened. And like the people, the amount of people trafficked in Myrtle Beach was like unbelievably high. It's unbelievably high whenever you look at it in any town. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But they just were like, no, that doesn't happen here. And they were like, yeah, it does a lot. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's just an outlier that I found. But now to get where we are at this point in the investigation, it did take a couple days. Everything I just described didn't happen in a matter of hours, obviously. Right. It takes a little time to find all that stuff out. And in that time, Dawn, Brittany's mother, had traveled to Myrtle Beach with one of Brittany's friends. She was like, I got to be here. Mm-hmm. I need to, you know, be on the scene. And the news media found out and this case exploded. Okay. I don't know if you guys remember this, but this is like in our time, like Gabby Petito level. Like mm. people were nuts reporting this case. It was everywhere. The story was huge. And it was huge due in part to the fact that a lot of people related to it. They were like, oh shit, I sent my kid to Myrtle Beach for spring break. What What happened? Who's there? What? Huh? You know, like, so it piqued a lot of interest. And it was like one of those mysteries that everybody is talking about. I was enjoying a spring break 09 in Atlantic City, so... I lived down here by then. I was no well, spring break. I, I lived down here too. Oh, okay. my, I think my brother, um, his girlfriend at the time, and mm-hmm. then one of my other friends, we were all home. Yeah. And so they were like, we'll take you to Atlantic City. We'll do like Murmur. And oh, isn't that nice? All these things. And I was a mess. full adult that didn't have break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> So in addition to the fact that people were interested in, you know, a girl disappearing from Myrtle Beach, it did seem that Brittany had disappeared from a very busy, well-lit, heavily traveled strip at 9 p.m. And, and that, to a lot of people, was also very interesting. How can that possibly happen? There's so many people. There's a grandstand. There's motels. It's the Central Boulevard. People don't just disappear like that. Yeah. A lot of the motels on the boulevard have cameras as well, but they're focused on the desk clerks and the guests, not out on the road. Only one was focused outward, and it did catch Brittany walking while staring down at her phone the whole time. But it just seems impossible for her to just disappear. But then again, I think a lot of people actually do go missing in plain sight. Mm -hmm. We don't like to think it's possible, but it, it is. Yeah. It is a lot of the time. So when work gets out, volunteers begin showing up in droves. Within a few short days, there were like hundreds and hundreds of people. By the 28th of April, there were helicopters and people searching. A woman named Monica Kaysen showed up on the scene very quickly. She was called by the local police because she was from um, a nonprofit organization called the Q Center. And this organization searches for missing people. And they were on the case right away. But like, why have... I covered so many missing persons cases, and this is the only time I've seen this organization. They're like a national missing persons organization. They come in and organize searches and gather volunteers, and they have access to like companies that do search dogs and divers and stuff. I've never Mm. run into them before. Yeah. And they're they're still active? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and though they're a great organization, I'm just surprised that it took this many cases for me to know about their existence. Right. (sighs) 
Anyway, the Q organization and authorities searched Georgetown County, which is the last place where her phone pinged. Um, And there's marsh and a boat ramp. And it's like spooky where the ping was because the ping was, like I said, out by like a pole yard, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, Monica Kaysen said the night Brittany went missing, she was called right away. And by 11 o'clock the next morning, police were saying, this is a missing person. This is not a runaway. We are looking for someone who like stole this girl. And at that point, they were still thinking that she was alive, but could be hurt and maybe stuck out in the elements. And this reminds me a lot of the early days of the searching for um, the girls at Delphi. Yeah. It's very similar to that search. So in the area they're searching, there's massive alligator activity. Cover your ears, Leslie. There are snakes, wild hogs, and you know, pigs. All the pigs. We're going to make things disappear. There are animals that are known to be aggressive when they perceive threat. So this is a dangerous search. The people who are out there searching are putting themselves in danger. It's dangerous for the dogs. It's just dangerous in general. And what the fuck is a pole yard? You're probably asking yourself if you're anything like me. It is a public boat landing. It's a place where you can dock your boat, basically, like a parking lot for boats. Mm. So a few days in, there's dogs, helicopters, boats with sonar, water dogs, which I've never heard specifically referred to before. I love it. Good for them. Just swimming dogs looking for stuff. There were people on horseback, um, tons of people on foot. And a search like that does not go unnoticed. So the media is just like gathering steam as this is going on. And they are camped out everywhere where the search is occurring. Family, friends, and authorities, and a ton of volunteers search everywhere they can possibly think of. They are going in alleyways. They're looking in dumpsters. They're on roadsides, in the brush, anything, anything where they could find evidence. But they find nothing, not a trace. The police start investigating electronically because, you know, everybody has an internet trail nowadays. Through their investigation of Brittany, they discovered um, first how she found the money to sneak off to Myrtle Beach and stay in this resort. Because remember, it cost money and her dad was not about to give it to her. Oh, yeah. I just assumed she stayed with a friend. No, she's in a resort she's helping pay for. Okay. This is wild. So it's her junior year, right? Mm -hmm. She is invited by a bunch of people, a bunch of different boys to the senior ball, which is like the prom. And she said yes to all of them but told them all that she was getting a limo and needed half of the money from them up front. They all gave her the money. <gasps> then she went to CVS and put it on like a prepaid debit card. And that's what she used for the trip. Wow. <laughs> wow. <gasps> that is some serious planning. Oh, my God. I can't. I, I don't know don't, whether to I be mad or have... impressed. I do not have the balls for that. I don't either. Whoa. How did those boys not talk to each other? How did nobody oh, say, no. like, I'm going with her? What do you mean you're going with her? Wow. Isn't that crazy? And then, like, the boyfriend's like, why are you, any of you going with her? I know, right? She had this boyfriend. And, and, and it's, like, half the price of a limo. She's probably like, I need, like, 400 bucks from all of them. Oh my Yeah, I know. This is like a pretty good scam. But anyway, <laughs> wow. that's how she did it. So while all of this is going on, what was she going to do when she got back? I don't know. Just be like, I was at my friend's house. Well, I lost it all. Oh, yeah, with the prom. I don't know what she was going to tell these boys. Yeah. They swindled me. <laughs> I have no idea. 
Wow. I don't think she thought that far ahead. No, I, I guess, I guess like, that's the point. Figure it out when I get there. Like, I think so far. <laughs> oh, me too. I can't not think of everything. <laughs> yeah. That's, but yeah, she was just like, eh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Myrtle Bates. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So meanwhile, her poor father is stuck at home, unable to do anything because mom is at, is mm-hmm. in Myrtle Beach. So he has to stay home with the other two kids yeah, who are young. Little, yeah. yeah. And he's just, you know, kind of wondering what's happening. But he really isn't alone because his phone never stops ringing mm. and not in a good way. The calls poured in. Every single human on the planet seemed to have a tip to give him. Oh. Suddenly, Brittany was everywhere. He was having psychic mediums calling him, saying they had visions. Locals saying they saw her at different places. People saying she went into houses, like parents saying things, kids, just everybody saw her. Everybody had a tip. The little town of McClellanville had a curiously large amount of tips, actually. They had lots of calls coming in from this place. Now, McClellanville is a small community just south of the boat landing where her phone last pinged. Like near where the phone last pinged. Okay. So police decide, okay, well, in this area, we're just going to knock on doors and ask questions. Lots of people said that they heard she was in the area. They're like, oh, yeah, I heard she, she was here for a few days right after she was reported missing. Hmm. Uh, someone told me they saw her. Like a lot of people in that town suddenly said that she was hanging around there. And spoiler alert, she was never there. She was not there. Okay. There's a lot of confusion as to why they would have said these things, and I can pretty much answer these questions. And it's something we have talked about before called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, which I haven't gotten to bring up in a while, so that's fun. Okay. And the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon is the thing where you, you are so inundated with a certain image or like a song you hear on the radio that suddenly you see it everywhere. We talked about this with Brian Laundrie when the Gabby Petito case was big. Yeah. The whole world thought they saw Brian Laundrie in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And that is because you saw him on the news every night and Mm -hmm. online everywhere. And so every guy that kind of looked like him in your brain was him. Yes. So every girl that looked a little bit like Brittany Drexel was Brittany Drexel to these Mm -hmm. people. Of course, that's it. Like you hear a song on the radio a bunch of times and all of a sudden you hear it everywhere. It's the same kind of thing. Your brain is just programmed to recognize common things. And so that's why that probably happened. Anyway, months passed after this and they're really getting nowhere. They can't find any evidence of her. The Q organization has been tirelessly working to locate Brittany as well. And they say something very interesting. And I really like that they actually said this. They say that You have to treat a missing person like a marketing tool. You have to make the public fall in love with them. Mm -hmm. That is so smart and self-aware, and I've never heard it succinctly phrased like that before. Yeah, that is smart. I mean, it's what you almost do to like doctors as well, where if you're a patient, like doctors and surgeons, they need to just get the job done and they try not to get personal. But if there's like a life, I don't know, like if your life is in danger on this operating table, like if you get to them and you're just like, you tell them the entire backstory of this person's life, like they're, how many kids they have, Mm -hmm. they're married, all this stuff, you know, they're just like, okay, like you're hoping like they're going to feel like this is their family member on the table to save, you know? So that's the point. Like if you feel like this is your child or your sister, you're going to care more. Yeah. 
And that's really smart. I just never heard anyone really put it that succinctly before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's like put their face out in story any way and every way that you can. Yeah. Blast them everywhere. So time passes yet again. And we have eight months now. Uh, eight months after her disappearance, a pair of knockoff Prada sunglasses that look just like hers turn up in the water near the pole yard. And um, a, a person like out walking their dog or something finds them. And they're like, oh, these are like, you know, faux Prada teen girl sunglasses. There's no hunters or fishermen or boat people that are wearing these. Where mm-hmm. did they come from? It was weird, but they tested them and they were not Britney's. So that was a false moment. Meanwhile, horrible information is just pouring in to the authorities and to Britney's family. Tons of people are claiming that they stole Britney. They killed Britney. They still have Britney. There were people making fake online profiles saying that they were Britney. They're tweeting that, they, that they're her and they want their parents to call off the police. She just wants to be missing. None of these people are her. It's insane that this happened, but it did. Wow. Yeah, they keep telling her family, like, I'm the one that has her and I'm holding her against her will or she's already dead. It's cacophonous. And that's, you know, a byproduct of the media surge. You're going mm-hmm. to get both sides if you're going to say, like, put her face out there everywhere. People are going to see her everywhere, whether they really do or not. Is there a way of, like, tracking those people to, like, find them? Yeah, and they do, but that's time-consuming. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot, sometimes it's easy. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you can easily prove it's not her, and, like, you can yeah. find the location of computers and stuff. Sometimes I wonder, though, like, if they're doing that to an- basically annoy the cops, annoy mm-hmm. the family members, if, like, say it's, like, a human trafficker and they have, like, all of these people, like, working for them. Yeah. So it'd be, like, interesting if you, like, found them and then ended up connecting them to a ring. That would be very interesting, yeah. Or if or if you found out that they did this, like, often, and then also that is connecting them to, like, something that they're doing. Yeah. Or, like, and who knows? Maybe that has happened in the past. It's like they're also employed by Amazon to give a ton of reviews on things. <laughs> <laughs> and in their downtime, they're like, I'm going to pretend to be this missing girl to fuck with people. Yeah. They're not great people. No. We don't like them. Anyway. This is why you need to get outside, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy some sunshine. Walk away from the screen sometimes. It helps. It does. So in July of 2010, a strange thing occurred. A woman named Ronda, reported as Randa and Rhonda in different sources. Massey. Maybe it's two people. Maybe. Randa and Rhonda. It's just one. She claims that she was almost abducted from nearly the same spot uh, as where Brittany seems to have been taken. Okay. She indicates that the person that tried to snatch her was a man named Sean Taylor, and he was from McClellanville. McClellanville. We've heard that before. That's Mm -hmm. the place where everyone swore up and down they saw Brittany. Cops are like, well, this is very interesting, Mm -hmm. obviously. Now, they go and find Sean, the alleged kidnapper, and this man has an airtight alibi. He's like, I was at this location, and I went to McDonald's, and then I came home. And there is security footage of him doing all of these things. Okay. He was very clearly where he said he was, and not snatching some lady off the sidewalk. What happened to her? I don't really know. I never totally followed up on that one. But Sean was not guilty. However, the media only reported half of that story. Oh, They only reported that he tried to snatch a woman off the street in the same place where Brittany Drexel had been possibly abducted and he lived in McClellanville where Brittany Drexel had supposedly gone. 
And then after they dismissed the charges against them, the media forgot about him. And they did not so say not guilty. Yeah. Right. This ruin, ruins his reputation. I'm sure. Completely. Totally ruined. Yeah. His, his life is never the same again. And we'll get back to this guy and why he's linked, but it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, so then a man named Ken McKenzie, who is the head of the captain of SLED in Myrtle Beach, and he's from the Georgetown Criminal Investigations. He's like a big deal detective guy. He says that he doesn't like the way Brittany's case is going, and he's the head of everything. So he decides to change investigators, and he assigns a detective named Phil Hanna, who is now left with an absolute mountain of leads because they have to look into every report they've gotten. Yeah. And he has to sort them all out. So he starts digging into it, and one seems a little more promising than the others. Right after Brittany went missing, police had pulled over a man named Raymond Moody on a traffic stop. Done. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he had quite a record. Detectives went to speak with um, the local woman who runs the sex offender registry in Georgetown. Because, mm -hmm. um, spoiler alert, some of Raymond's offenses were, you know, they made him a sex offender. So she had an awful lot to say about Raymond. Okay. And the first thing she said was like, yes, this guy could definitely be the person you're looking for. Ray had a huge history. First of all, he was in the Navy for a little while, and then he landed in California. We don't need to go into how he grew up. I don't really care. While he was there, in California, that is, he got married, and this marriage yielded three daughters. So he has three kids living in California. While he was in California, he also spent 21 years behind bars after confessing to kidnapping and raping seven young girls. Oh. <sighs> yeah. And this person is just on the streets? He was. <sighs> on June 9, 2004, Raymond Moody was granted parole and left California to move back to Georgetown, no. where his parents lived and where he grew up. So Detective Ken is immediately like, that's the guy. This guy did this. That's his thing. He does this. So he starts to probe into Ray Moody. He's like, who can I find? Who's with this guy? And he finds out that he is or was living with a man named Ernie Merchant, a man who refers to himself as Ray's prison husband. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Um, they were together in jail. Yeah. I mean, they were there for a great many years. And then Ray got let out first and he moved back to Georgetown. And then when Ernie got let out, he moved to Georgetown too to be with Ray. Although it turns out that when Ray is not in prison, he doesn't particularly want a husband. Oh, you don't say. If you catch my drift. Within a year, Ernie caught Ray having an affair with a local woman named Angel Voss. And after that, Ernie said, we are not having sex anymore ever. <laughs> okay, I guess he was still getting it from Ernie for a little while too. So Ernie tells this like wild story about how Angel, the girlfriend, comes and talks to him at some point in time and says that Ray has killed a girl and now they're all in trouble because they're all associated with him. Mm. So Ernie does not call the damn cops. He calls Ray's children, who, as I said, he had three children. Now they live in Florida. They grew up in California. And he tells them this. He's like, hey, kids, your dad killed somebody. 
I don't know if this is the route I would have gone, but oh I'm God. not them and they're not me. And then it kind of ends there. He Ernie calls the kids to warn them. To be like, you could be associated with this person. And he supposedly killed a girl. That's it. Very confusing. It's so strange. So then the cops are like, all right, well, we got to talk to the woman now, right? Yeah. So they bring in Angel for questioning. So Angel Voss talks, talks to investigators. And this is in 2011. Wait, so who, so wh- was it the kids or Angel that said something to police? Oh, they uh, they originally got this lead from the woman at the sex offender registry. Oh, right. Okay. So they just, and they talked to Ernie first. Okay. They talked to the prison husband. Okay. Okay. And so that's when he's like, he cheated on me with this woman named Angel. Okay. She came around yelling to me that Ray had killed somebody at some point in time. I told his kids that that happened. Case closed. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Right. Which is a weird way to close that case. But uh, again, not me. So the police are like, we got to talk to Angel yeah, next. But this is Ernie, wild. Ernie's not going to go to the police. You know what I mean? He already has his own issues. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, of he's course. not going to go. And then, and I'm sure the kids are just like, Ernie sounds like a strange guy. So like, Our I don't. Our dad who was put away for 21 years for like raping little girls. We're not, we don't want, we don't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I guess in a roundabout way, Ernie thought he was doing the right thing and that the kids would tell or something. I have no Mm -hmm. idea. He was just passing the buck, I think. Or maybe just being like, you know, continue to stay away from your father. Yeah. From Papa. Yeah, stay away from Papa. And if you want to call the police, not me, you definitely can. But Mm -hmm. I cannot call the police. Thank you. Goodbye. And don't even mention my name. Thanks, kids. Bye. (laughs) So they they bring in Angel. And like I said, it's 2011, not 2022. Yeah. Like this happened not that long afterwards. And they start questioning her about Ray. She tells them she was with Ray on and off for like three years. And they're like, okay, well, do you know about his past? And she's like, plays coy a little bit at first. And the cops said, okay, we'll tell you. He was arrested for kidnapping sod- and sodomizing seven different kids. And she responds to that statement with, that's starting again? <gasps> the cops are really smart and they're like we can't react really mm-hmm. they're kind of like yeah I know you know yeah yeah and you probably have been a victim of this man's too right mm-hmm. must be really hard for you mm-hmm. isn't it and of course now she starts sobbing right the last thing you want to do is make this woman feel embarrassed or scared or like mm-hmm. just or spook her in any way exactly so the cop starts going in or the interrogator says like, you know, these things he does, these horrible things, he can't control them. And he didn't get the help he needed when he was in California. We need to get him help. You want to help him, right? I'm like, fuck, the guy's a genius. Um, so then she starts talking and she says that um, he left that night in the middle of the night, the night in question when Brittany went dis- disappeared to take a walk. And she doesn't know what he did. Okay. She admits that she has a a past with alcoholism, but she's sober now. And she calls Ernie, the prison husband, a a drunk. Then she says that um, there were times when Ray would get kind of violent with her and Mm -hmm. amped up. Like he was abusive at times and he would get all like revved up and then go on walks and then he would come back relieved. And she'd be like, I knew he had some kind of release while he was out walking. Great. 
And one time when they were in the middle of a battle, Ray said to Angel that he didn't want her to end up like that girl at the beach. AKA, don't make me mad or I'll kill you and dump the body in a place they'll never find. Wow. Yeah. So they go back and forth talking to Ernie too. They're like, hey, we found this shit out. What do you have to say about that? And he's like, well, it's true. He was like a very frantic person. He was always frantic. He always seemed like he was like on a mission and determined to do whatever it was he needed to do. Mm-hmm. So like he confirms like he would like go on these walks and that he was like this weird frantic guy. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, great. Thank you. So then back to Angel. She says that he even said that he wanted to snatch a girl and take them into the woods, have his way with them, then keep them hidden for days. He said he wanted to tie them to a tree and spread their guts wide open and watch the blood run out of them. Okay. It's 2011. Let's keep that in our minds. Mm-hmm. We know that this guy said all these things. Okay. And it turns out that the last location where Brittany's phone pinged was near something else other than just the pole yard. It was near Ray's house. Oh. So the police then take Angel and they drive her around Myrtle Beach and they say, hey, point out places where you guys have like stayed together or spent time. And she does this, but she's like freaking out the whole time. She looks very nervous. She's just like super nervous about the whole situation. That's it. They're like, okay, thank you. Just want to see like maybe where he hung out. There's really not much they were doing. They just want to kind of see how she reacted to situations, Mm -hmm. I think. So then they go to an apartment that he also has at the Sunset Lodge Motel. And they they find nothing. They find nothing on his property. There's nothing. There's no hard evidence. So there's nothing they could do. So the cops then go and talk to Ray. And they approach him. And they're trying to like, hey, you know, you have anything you want to tell us about this missing girl or whatever? And he says, I'm not going to talk to you. You're smart investigators. You figure it out. Wow. He doesn't say, I didn't do it. Right. He doesn't say, I have no idea who this girl is. He doesn't say any of the classic, I didn't do it lines. He right. says, come find me when you have evidence. Bye. God, the pulse on these people. I know. It's crazy. But, I mean, the crime has no body and body has no crime. Like, it's, there's nothing there right now. And so years pass. Then in 2015, the feds decide to step in. So the FBI is like, we got this. Because a federal inmate had offered up some information about the case. So this is a jailhouse informant. I'm not even going to get into how unreliable jailhouse informants are because they are serving their own interest 99% of the time. So this guy says, Timothy Sean Taylor Strangely enough, the son of the man who was supposedly trying to snatch random assy was brought in for Britney's murder. Here's why. Wait, I'm sorry. The son of the man mm-hmm. who remember was... I, well, I remember I said a girl was... Tra- someone tried to kidnap her from the same spot. Oh, this is Randa Rhonda. Yeah, yeah. and okay. she was like, this guy did it. Okay, it sounds... This guy's son is the person they bring in now for Britney's gotcha. murder. Sorry, it sounded like you said random assy. And I was oh, like... No. I was like, he was just trying to get some ass. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> so okay, okay. this informant is a federal inmate named Taekwon Brown. And he is talking to his prosecutor about a different state case. So he's giving them information about something else. 
And when they finish, he says, do you want me to tell you about Brittany Drexel? And they're like, yeah, of course we do. And he's like, okay, I can tell you everything. I was there. Now, you still can't find a single article that lays out the fact that this guy is for sure lying or that he has been held accountable for any of this at all. But here's what he says to the prosecutor. He says, I know where she died and there is physical evidence of it. And the prosecutor says, okay, tell me more. But he also says that he wasn't going to take an inmate's word for anything. But then he does, so whatever. So Taekwon says that he saw Tim and Tim's father at a stash house in McClellanville. So like a drug dealer den, basically. He said he goes in the house and he's standing around and these two men are with a group of people. Then out of nowhere, Brittany comes running out of a back room. Tim's father grabs her and pistol whips her. And then the two of them drag her back into the back room again. Now, when he saw her, he says she looked like she had been held there for some time. She was in distress. She had possibly had drugs in her system. She didn't look good. So they drag her into this back area again. And then he hears shots fired, two shots. Then a few moments later, Tim emerges with a body wrapped up in sheets and it is taken out of this stash house. The police then say that they, or the feds say they have secondhand information that corroborates this story. The informant then adds on that Tim kidnapped her or like got her to get in his car off the street in Myrtle Beach. And he brought her to McClellanville where he showed her off to all his friends. And then they tricked her out and trafficked her out of this stash house. And when the press started to circulate with pictures of her because she had disappeared, they killed her so that no one would find out what they had done to her. This is a big and specific story. Yeah. He then says that once he took the body away, he dropped it into a gator pit where alligators disposed of all the remains. Okay. And a bunch of witnesses come forward after this information is released, and they say they saw this happen. Hmm. They saw the body get dropped into the gator pit, but they can't tell you where the gator pit was because there's like a lot of them around Mm -hmm. who can pay attention Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, And they can't, they can't tell you where they, uh, where they saw this gator pit because that's not how it happened at all. And her body was in Georgetown on a piece of private property on Pickerel Road, four foot underground at that point in time. Not a gator in sight. So oh. back to Timothy, right? So he's accused of all this wild stuff. So um, they arrest Timothy, okay? They charge him with murder, rape, and trafficking. And when they tell him this, it's so outrageous for him to hear that he is laughing. He thinks he's like, this is insane. There's no way. It was true. He was 16 at the time of the crime. Brittany was 17. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way this kid committed this crime, but law enforcement and the media sure did ruin his life as though he did. And remember, they had Ray Moody on their radar already. Right. Who had done unspeakable things. Tim Taylor was a church-going kid who liked to ride bikes and play outside. He enjoyed working on cars. Oh, and he only had one arm. So they're saying a 16-year-old kid snatched Brittany off a busy street, threw her in a car, took her out of town, 
raped her, trafficked her, pistol whipped her, murdered her, and then threw her in a gator pit with one arm. Oh, my God. I feel like two arms would be advantageous in this kind of pursuit, but they do say he had help at some point in time. And his father in some some versions of the story was the one that pistol whipped her. Raymond Moody does have two full arms, though. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Oh, my goodness. You know. How did the cops feel about this? Like the local cops that were covering So here's where it gets interesting. Okay. The local cops said, okay, we'll go to that house. They went to the house. The house is there. It is a house of drugs and horribleness. Mm-hmm. They go to find the rug. He said there's evidence on a rug, right? Blood evidence. There's the rug. They find the rug. It does have blood on it. They're like, all right. Case closed, right? They bring the rug in. They test it. That is not Brittany's blood. Mm-hmm. Because of course it isn't. So then after that point, the state drops the case again to, against Timothy. The state okay. investigators are like, he's clearly innocent. Like, this kid didn't do this. But the feds don't. Yeah. The feds think, no, we got to double down on it. Right. We got this information. Exactly. And now they're involving the media. And in the court of public opinions, he is now, with, without a doubt, guilty. Mm. totally guilty in every way, shape, and form. So here's the deal with the FBI. They also knew that Tim has a bit of a record. He ran with some bad kids when he was younger and had previously been arrested for being the getaway driver during an incident where several guys robbed a McDonald's and shot the cashier's dead. Oh, that's a big... It is a big thing. But in no part of this at all... Do they say that Tim was part of the robbery or the killing? He drove the car. Yeah. And he was a kid at the time. Mm -hmm. But the feds are like, oh, well, we have this guy right here. And the public is crying for blood. We got to do something. So they decide to bring him in with a legal loophole because he had never been charged really with the McDonald's thing. There was like part of that crime they could still charge him for. Okay. So they brought him in basically to hold him, you know? And they utilize something called the Hobbs Act, which is where they have the ability to bring Tim back in on old charges because they're trying to put him away for something else, basically. Okay. It's a tool that they use a lot. And a lot of times it's very useful. You know, you can, they they could have found something on Ray Moody possibly mm-hmm. and brought him in for, you know, abusing a woman and then then prove that there. But they didn't use that in that case. They used it for Tim. Huh. But this way they can lock him up and deny bond or bail and keep him in jail until they can make a case for killing Brittany. But there was no case to be made because he also had an alibi. There was no way that he committed this crime. It was just, it was just kind of wild that they held him as long as they did. So the cops, or the federal government, actually not the cops anymore, created a story and they go to have a press conference and they say they knew Brittany was in McClellanville for several days. They didn't really know that. She wasn't. They say that Brittany was killed the night she was abducted. They don't know that, but they're making these statements without any proof, and that's kind of dangerous. And they say that the killer was a local who had likely been doing it to other girls. So now they have planted the seed in McClellanville that there is a monster hiding in their community in plain sight, and everybody's daughter could be next. Hmm. Which makes the message clear. Light the torches, motherfuckers. It's time for a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. So when they bring in... Sam Taylor and say, this is the guy, everyone jumps on board. Right. And everyone immediately believes this gator pit story, including Brittany's family. Everybody runs with it. They're like, that's what happened. 
even though there is no physical evidence that corroborates this story or links him to the crime at all. They just really wanted it to be true. Because I think sometimes cops just want a solution, Mm -hmm. any solution. And they were having a tough time getting Ray Moody on these charges, but it might be a hell of a lot easier to convict him, especially when he's thrown into the public court of opinions. Did I mention he was black? Because of course he's black. Of Mm. course he's black. Is Ray Moody? No, he is not. People will turn on a young black man in a second. This is Emmett Till 101. His conviction would satisfy the public. Even if it wasn't justice, the case would be closed. It would be over and everyone got the villain they were comfortable with. So they leaned in. Oh, I feel so bad. Yeah. And they did lock him up. He did go away. They said they wanted to put him in solitary too, even though he was not a violent criminal at all. During this time, Tim's family got death threats. He had kids. They were threatening to do the same thing that happened to Brittany to his children. Ooh. Yeah. It's really brutal. They said they were going to come for his parents after that. They wanted to do to his daughter what happened to Brittany. It's it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Right. And so so, uh, Tim's family, like, to this day, doesn't sleep soundly for fear of, like, the angry mob coming for them. Yeah. Because in the end, they they couldn't convict him. There was no evidence against him. But uh, the press didn't report that either. They never said he was not guilty. If you Google this case, you will still find a ton of things that say he did this. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, someone else is convicted. But there are still tons of things linking him to Brittany Drexel. Ugh. Yep. And of course, Brittany's family is furious and calling for this kid's blood. Yeah. They don't know any better, though. They think, they think that's what happened to their daughter. Of yeah. course they're horrified. So awful. So when Tim is brought into court, he pleads guilty to the original McDonald's robbery thing. And the cops are like, okay, you're going to serve time. But um, you could serve less time if you have any information about another crime. And he's like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I didn't do this. At the time when, like, I was supposedly at this trap house, I was in school. Right. There are records of him being at his school when he was supposed to be at this trap house shooting Brittany Drexel. Right. So he couldn't have done it. Yeah, he's like, I clearly am not Tim the Toolman Taylor. I know, I thought Nor <laughs> did I kill Brittany Drexel. Yep. So he's, they lock up Tim. I think he ends up serving like 11 months too. Okay. But in this time. That's so awful. Well, I mean, he. he for the crime. Okay. That yes. he committed. Mm-hmm. So fine, whatever. You're, he didn't need yeah. to because he had already done, he had already been like convicted for it in the past. This is like double yeah, time, that's but true. whatever. And it seems like he has since. Maybe. Yeah, he had turned his life around. Okay. So anyway, during this time where he has locked up, the jail informant that they got the original information from just couldn't keep his story straight. He did tell it a lot of times because he liked telling it. Sure. And he had just begun a 24-year sentence for manslaughter, so he was eager to offer as much information as possible. Yeah, keep talking to me, people. Exactly. It's a long time here. (laughs) But all of his important details changed. Mm. Eventually... Tim was completely removed from the story altogether, as was the town of McClellanville. Oh. hmm So Tim ended up spending 11 months in jail, and eventually the prison informants admitted that they had made the whole thing up. That's so frustrating. The whole story was fabricated. But again, press doesn't, doesn't um, report that part. 
When they find that out, they don't go to the public with it. They just let them keep talking about it. This is so frustrating. Why do they do that? I don't know. Like, news is news. I know. I know. I don't know. So, in around 2018, 2019, the FBI starts their investigation all over again. Never saying, oh, well, we're going to throw that other case and it didn't happen that way. We got to start again. They just do it quietly. And, of course, it leads them right back to where they should have always been, which was Ray Moody. Yeah. An anonymous tip had come in about his girlfriend, Angel Voss. So this is great. Apparently, Angel Voss was hanging out with her girlfriend one night, drinking. She got super drunk. And then she had a really interesting story to tell that girlfriend about a time when her and Ray, together, (gasps) picked up a girl in Myrtle Beach. And then that girl ended up dead. I the girlfriend the was like, like stayed with her more. They probably I, would I have know, had right? a break. Probably. You're you're right. Because she, just wait. So the, the the friend, I imagine this friend like, mm-hmm, great. I have to go home mm-hmm. now. <laughs> what a cool story, oh, bye. Angel. Bye. <laughs> Take care of yourself, girl. Drink some water. Take an Advil. Yeah. <laughs> so then she like calls the police right away, yeah. obviously. And they're like, oh, great. We're going to bring Angel right back in. Yeah. So they bring Angel back in and I watched this interrogation and she okay. collapses in like a second. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you probably know why you're here, right? And she's like, I did get drunk. I got drunk. I did get drunk. And I said some stuff. You know how you get drunk and you say stuff? You don't mean I didn't. <laughs> she's like falling apart in it. Yeah. Right. Um, but eventually. I didn't mean to confess to no crimes. Exactly. But eventually she she does say like, well, maybe some of it was true. Mm. And the cops, you know, pull in this, the ace they had in the hole, which was the fact that time had advanced. So we have more technology now, which means they could line up her phone and Brittany's phone on the day of the disappearance to being right next to each other. What? Yeah. And Brittany's phone started moving, you know, in this car, like within a minute from when Ray's car was at that location. Would you look at that? Yeah, so weird. And upon hearing that, Angel's like, okay, I was in the car with him when he picked her up. We drove to his house in Georgetown. I dropped him and her off. Uh, Or I was there for a little while. We partied. He wanted to have sex with her. I didn't want that to happen. I left. When I came back, it was just him there. And he said her friends had picked her up. Mm. That is the story she gave them. Okay. And this is when she finally confesses this, right? It's April of 2022. Way later. Way, way later. Yeah. Okay. Oh. At this point, she agrees to help the FBI. And she's like, listen, I will wear a wire and I will talk to Ray about what happened to Brittany. And she does. And they do get some stuff. So this is from People Magazine. On May 5th, 2022, Raymond Mooney admitted to what he did to Brittany, to Brittany Drexel. So they bring him in after that. All right. And they say, the cops are very clever, and they tell him, we, uh, we're we going to put Angel away for this, for like, we think she did it. And then he admits it was him. Right, because he can't help himself, too. Right, right, right. So he tells the authorities that he and Angel were driving in Myrtle Beach when they saw Brittany, and they asked her to party with them. He said that she got into the car voluntarily. A lot of people argue that. Family argues that. Although, you know what? I don't entirely, because, and here's why. That wouldn't cause a scene. It's out in public. Mm-hmm. If they're like, hey, I got some 
weed or some booze. You want to come party? And she's like, well, I'm mad at my fucking friends. Fine. Yeah. And she maybe. gets in the car. No one is going to go, oh, my God, that girl just got dragged screaming into a car. Yeah. That's not going to make anybody notice her doing anything. Yeah. I mean, she also could have got pulled in really fast. She like, could have. noticed. Or they could have, or maybe she was like, well, I'm going to a party. Yeah. And you have stuff. Yeah. Why don't we'll we go there? Know. And she was, if she was, you know, two and a half miles away. Yeah. She might have just been like, let's just get a ride. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't or know. Or it could have just offered, to, like you said, to sell her drugs maybe or to sell her like, hey, you yeah. look underage. I could buy, be- buy beer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she could have gotten into the car voluntarily. We don't know she didn't. We don't know she did. But I don't think that's so outside of the possibility. He could have offered her something. I also don't know. We also don't know how drunk she was at this point. We don't. Like she could have been day drinking at spring break. Yep. We have no idea. He said he then drove Angel and Brittany to a campsite near Georgetown County where they smoked weed together. And then when Angel left, Ray said he wanted to have sex with Brittany. And when Brittany refused him, he raped her. But then he got concerned that he was going to get in trouble for raping her. Mm. So he strangled her, wrapped her body in a blanket, and hit her in the woods. Then when Angel came back, he said that Brittany's friends had picked her up. So his story is very much the same as Angel's. So either it's true or they talked about it beforehand. Right. He came back to the campsite later on and moved Brittany's body and buried it at another location. And he, like, threw her phone into the, into the water. So that's where her phone went. And there are gators everywhere in that area. So they think that, like, the phone just didn't make it. Okay. So the FBI went, he, he showed them where the site was. They went out to the place where he said he buried her and excavated over the next three days. And by May 11th, they found human remains buried in the woods off a gated private driveway outside of Georgetown, uh, about four feet into the ground. They were identified as Britney's through DNA and dental records on May 15th. They also found like one of her contact lenses and her hair was present and stuff like it was very clearly her. The arrest warrant said that Brittany had been strangled and then buried by the morning of April 26, 2009. So that would make sense. It would be the same night and then buried the next day. Georgetown County Sheriff's Office, along with Brittany's family, made the information public on May 16th, along with the announcement of Ray Moody's arrest. Raymond Moody was arrested again and charged with murder, kidnapping, and first-degree criminal sexual misconduct. And they all were alleged to have occurred on the day that Brittany disappeared. So then on October 19th, Ray Moody pleaded guilty to all charges and was subsequently sentenced to life in prison with an additional two consecutive terms of 30 years. So he is in jail. Finally. Yeah, fucking finally, right? And during this time, Dawn Drexel had also moved to Myrtle Beach. Okay. She was like, mom lived there to try and like help with this investigation. So she, I can't imagine like thinking you found your daughter's killer for a long time. Yeah. And then finding out the whole thing was a lie and it was somebody else. Right. Oh, I I do feel bad for Tim and his family. I feel terrible for them. Yeah. Like you may have driven the getaway car at something when you were like, you know, 15 years old because... Mind you, he would have been 15 at that time. Right. That does not make you someone who trafficked and murdered a girl. Yeah. Which is what they were saying he did. Right. With no evidence of it occurring. Yep, none. 
In fact, there was evidence to the contrary. Right. There's more evidence that Raymond did it. Yeah, and there was more evidence that Tim didn't do it than than he did. They were going on the word of one jailhouse informant. And then a couple other prisoners chimed in with like, I saw it too. Of course they did. Is this your first time at a jail? I've never been to a jail and I know you couldn't trust that situation. Yeah. And it's it's strange to me too that like it was the federal government that doubled down. So the state was like, no. Right. So the... So the witnesses, they were also prisoners or were they other people like They're on the street? Like, I think some of them were prisoners and then other people were just these people in McClellanville okay. that kept being like, yeah, she was here. We saw that. Yeah, that happened. I don't know which gator pit it was in because like we got a lot of gator pits. Right. Can't really keep track because it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Don't just speculate. So crazy. Now, did we, did the public know about Raymond at the time, like in nope. 2011? Nope. Okay. Nope. Which which makes sense to me, kind of, because that's still like, if that's yeah, their if top lead. Yeah, you're still lead, pursuing him. You don't want I him to run. I understand that. But that's what's crazy. I don't know. Nope. There was a media circus about everything else. And then if I remember how this came out correctly, because I, I remember, I mean, it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had followed this case because I had seen it on other, like, outlets and everyone was like who is that guy what do you mean it's that guy yeah we have been saying for years it was another guy Mm -hmm. huh it was like an outrage that it was somebody from left field he wasn't from left field but at the time it seemed like it well that's nuts i mean i'm I'm glad they found him yeah same oh yeah that's so sad yeah, super sad. Guys, just don't go on spring break. Do not by go yourself. on spring break. <laughs> just say like, that's essentially what she did. Like she was here's here's how I feel about it. I think that she was embarrassed to not get there. Cause if she had gotten invited yeah. by any of these people, it was just a constant reminder of her age. Yeah. And this happens to a lot of us yeah. at sixteen years old, once we're in high school too. Mm-hmm. Like and especially if we have our driver's license and things like that, like once we start getting a little bit of attention, it's, it is embarrassing when you do make friends with some older people and then you can't do the things that they're doing and just remind you of like, I'm just this little kid. So she was trying to grow up too fast. Yeah. She just got herself down there in trouble. Just don't grow up too fast. Yeah. I mean, just stay the age that you're at. Very good moral. Just enjoy it. You will have time to do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you feel like you're doing something your parents would really, really, really disapprove of, I mean, you probably shouldn't do it. No. And we've, all of your parents have been your age. We like, no I know. shit. And we don't want to think about that. We just want to <laughs> do the cool thing that we want to do when I we're know. teenagers. And I get that. I really, truly do. But there are, there are her reasons and lines so yeah also okay when you get all right so now that I'm in my 30s right mm-hmm. I think about people 10 years older than me even even like you and me mm-hmm. we're we're several years apart mm-hmm. but I feel like we're closer in age now yeah than we would have been when I first met you. Yeah, the age gap does close. It it closes because we are starting to like converge in our life yeah. of like we're now doing similar things. 
So one year apart in high school is a massive difference. It's huge. And a lot of times it's because your body is changing. You're having different Mm -hmm. feelings about stuff. You're also learning more. You had an entire other school year of like knowledge, which does help. And your brain is still developing. And so like one year apart, like if a parent is concerned that you're hanging out with somebody that's one year older than you, but you're, but it's like a senior to a junior or a senior to a sophomore, like, yeah, like just talk to them about it. Yeah. Let them meet the person. Let them know who it is. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are reasons you're not allowed to do things by yourself yeah. at certain ages. Like, you're just yeah. supposed to. And if people, oh, I don't know. It just makes me mad. I know. It makes me upset too. And our parents really did do the right things. Like, they yeah. didn't, it's not like they weren't paying attention. No. It's not like they no. weren't like, go ahead, do whatever. I don't care. It's no, fine. She, she lied, she to, lied them. to them. She lied to them. But, it just makes me sad that kids find themselves in these situations. Like that it her end was in no way her fault. Right. But it just it's just sad. Yeah. It's just really sad. Oh, yeah. I wish it didn't have to be like I wish it didn't have to be like that either. And one more thing I would like parents to take away, and I've said this many times before, but like you can track your kid's phone. You can and you should. Yeah. Absolutely do it. Yeah. If they are Absolutely. giving you, especially when they're starting to give you reasons. Yep. This is 2009. A little different, but. Yes. Yeah. Um, I at first didn't necessarily think that way. And I might feel differently, like of how to approach that. But I, I do think it's a consequence because as your kids are getting older, when they're younger, they have, you are tracking them constantly to begin with. And then little by little, you give them some things like they could walk down, they can walk across the street by themselves Mm -hmm. to the neighbor's house. They can go down the other aisle to go grab the peanut butter and then meet you back (laughs) in the aisle. So you're doing like these little things that then if they do anything wrong, if they have failing Mm -hmm. grades, if they're staying out past a curfew, if they're doing something like that, you're allowed to like retract the things that you've given them. Right. And but I think, what I'm saying is like the Find My iPhone app is on everything in your uh, yeah. network. Yeah. You can check that and see where your kid is. Yeah. You can now. I don't know what technology was then, but if you don't have an iPhone, there are apps like that. Yeah. Where you can, you, you know, if your kid is trustworthy, you're not looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But if you're like, my kid is away from me. And I've been having like dodgy experiences with my kid. Right. You don't have to go, no, 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 I'm going to trust them. You can go, I can just see where their phone is. Right. Because if I, if they had been able to just be like, I'm just going to check in. And they saw that her, her phone lit up in Myrtle Beach. They would have been like, oh, fuck no, let's go. Yeah, I guess that's true. She was there for a few days. Yeah. She left on the 22nd. It's a 13 hour drive. She went with Mm -hmm. those people. So she would have gotten there on, you know, the the twenty third or twenty fourth. I mean, did she have did she have an iPhone? She had. I just know she had a phone. Yeah, two thousand and nine. So. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if you would have had the app have to have the app, or I don't know if the app was available. Yeah, I, this is just pings that mm-hmm. they can judge by. But I'm saying, like nowadays, no, yeah, parents now, if your kid is not with you, yeah, you can look on a map. Yeah, you can make sure they are where they say they are. Mm-hmm. That is not an invasion of their privacy. That is you keeping them safe. Yeah. And if they are not where they said they were going to be, 
then you were totally justified in doing that. Like, come on, you did lie. If they are, never have to talk about it. It's fine. Yeah. Better, Better safe than sorry. Agreed. Is what I'm saying. And also, like, if you have that capability, your kids should know that. Your yeah. kids should know. You should be like, I can see where you are. Mm-hmm. If they know that, they're not going to do that. Yeah. They're going to get full caught. transparency. Exactly. Be fully transparent with it. Be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I will check on it sometimes. Yep. It's my job to keep you safe. Anyway. Parent, her parents did everything. I'm not blaming them. I'm no, offering they up did. Tips they for did. Right they now. did. Yeah. I mean, she moved to Myrtle Beach. She did. She did. They did. I mean, they did everything they possibly could. Yeah. So, toast. Toast. To Brittany. To Brittany. Mm-hmm. To the boyfriend for calling the yeah. mom immediately when he felt something was more wrong than. No, what I was agree happening. because it seems like a little step, but it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. So cheers to him. And to Brittany's parents, Don and Chad, who really were great parents, are great yeah. parents. Cheers to them. And if we were trying to claim a little of our independence, in a place where nobody had our back, we, we would, would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Light the torches, motherfuckers. It's time for a witch hunt.